who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Ahoy there! It's the IGN UK podcast. Join us on the merry seas as we sail across the oceans of games, films, and TV. I am your captain. <laughs> Simon Cardi, and I have a bit of a cold, so I might not sound great, so I apologise for that. With me are my shipmates. <laughs> I don't know where the pirate stuff's themed? coming from. <laughs> I don't know where this has all come from. I literally decided this two seconds ago. Jesse, uh, how, uh, what, what job on a like a pirate ship would you want? Oh, cleaning the cannons, that seems fun. You'd want to be the one cleaning the cannons? Yeah, I don't need your... to fire them because I don't want to die, but you know, just cleaning and just vibe into some... Nice okay. shanty music and shit. M- Matt Purzel, I could see you in the crow's nest. Um, I was going to suggest first mate, but if you want to stick me up there away <laughs> from you, uh, fine, I'll take that. No, I would try. Sounds nice and your, fucking peaceful. Mm. I trust you to be alert on the lookout. Wouldn't Purzel you know? be the first to die if the ship gets oh. hit? <laughs> um, not necessarily. I mean, it, it just, depends if, they, if the enemy ships had snipers or if they were leaning on like mortar fire, for example. It seems dangerous. Know. Uh, did you? I've probably mentioned this before. As a kid, I was desperate to get it. And one Christmas, I did get it. The ball, It's barely a board game. It was called Blackbeard's Treasure, where you just fired cannons at each other. Because I remember the uh, the advert on TV where it had the cannonballs going off. Yeah. What's it looks great on TV. It was still pretty good to play, but like I basically just used it to fire cannons at Star Wars figures in the end. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was good fun. Bring back Blackbeard's Treasure. Um, sure, they are bloody bringing back, though. GTA, they've got them. They're, they're making another one of them. That's a surprise, isn't it? Oh, alarming! Oh no, um, there's not really a lot to say until December, until we start this trailer. But you know, it'd be stupid not to mention the new GTA Six. Mm. I mean, we knew this was coming. You know, it's not hardly a surprise. It is feels it, like but, an unceremonious uh, way to announce GTA Six. I mean, we I already like had it. that with leaks, and now we've got that in, like buried in the fourth tweet. Yeah. Whatever, well, just like I mean, it's not coming. there for it leaked. Is yeah, it? yeah, but, that's you true. know. Um, it is funny just, yeah, the fourth tweet of a thread just to go, oh yeah, by the way, new GTA is coming. Uh, I like it. Very Rockstar 
moon in every uh way in every meaning of the word um yeah i don't know what what do we let i'm just put you guys on the spot what's the one thing you want to see from a new gta what, what do you want just um something that pushes forward like the systemic kind of layers in in that world like i want dynamic kind of like you know how uh, San Andreas had sort of like the turf kind of elements that had mm-hmm. like those dynamic battles. I'm not necessarily looking for that, but I want something that when we do things, there's a distinct impact on the city, and you can feel that'd be cool. Like what we're doing, whether that's kind of like you know how like you could rob bank, like bank robbing was a big and heist was a big part of GTA uh, Five. I'd like it if let's say that sort of stuff was here again. But you end up like putting places out of business because of what your your sort of like crime sprees are, are doing on them. Yeah. Something like that. When you mentioned San Andreas, I thought you were going to talk about how you need to go to the gym. And I was like, I don't need that back no, in the GTA. No, none of the, none of the eating or the gymming. That's, well, yeah, that's the RPG yeah. elements I can do without, to be fair. Yeah, I don't know what I want. I just want, I want a great story is what I want. You know, Red Dead 2 delivered that for me i just mm. want enough i want a more i do think gta 5 story is good but it's still quite you know it's very it's kind of on the pulp here and it's not mm-hmm. it is satirical but it's not set you know it's never never once getting you emotional right they're cartoon characters yeah. like mm-hmm. I, i'd be interested to see if they're the impact of rather too has even made them want to take more of like a more like emotionally i don't know deep story mm. gta or if it's the opposite they did they did seven years of that and they're like all right let's just let loose and be silly again i, I could see it as both because um it's weird we, it almost feels like we're in a post satirical world right where everything yeah. that gta would have would have poked fun at sort of has happened and it's been dreadful but that also gives them more ammunition for a satire that is more that, that's deeper that's more heartfelt that's you know kind of like more uh, a real Red Dead 2 has a lot of the human condition to it and I could see but that's very much contained within its western frontier sort of element I could see something that really analyzes the human condition through the horror that has been kind of like the 2020s what do you want Jesse just mad haircuts (laughs) I mean this is I don't know it seems like a very me answer but recently I uh, messed around with like a bunch of GTA 5 mods and stuff and one of them included just sort of like extreme weather so just <laughs> it sounds really silly but it's like super heavy downpours and like really crazy winds and things are blown over i just want like a technical showcase and in terms just of cause four yeah pretty much <laughs> no but like, i just i don't know i'm just i feel like when it comes to gta i'm always amazed by like the technical and mechanical aspects of it because i know the story is always going to be spawned but just the technological advancements because from gta 5 to red dead 2 the graphics are insane in terms of you know the difference between them and feel like gta 6 is going to be a huge step up hopefully hopefully uh bring back danny dyer as well that's another thing for the wish list uh yeah if they get that then they got spot on weather and danny dyer that's what we want was he in a gta 6 yeah which one vice city right i'm not going mad i just can't i just can't remember that he's he's like the british um is he like a DJ host? Club. No, he's he's like a he's he's a bit of a worm to be quite honest. Like everybody remembers obviously Ray Liotta and kind yeah. of like you know the the bigger Hollywood stars, but yeah, he's a weird bearded British character that's kind of just a bit of a, a horrible worm. I provided the voice of Kent Paul. There we go. Favorite guy. Lying. Mm. Should Danny Dyer provide the voice of Link in the Legend of Zelda movie or indeed the likeness should Danny Dyer play Link in the Zelda movie we finally after what it feels like my whole life of speculation 
getting a Zelda adaptation. I think the one thing that surprised everyone, especially after the, I'm going to say, relative success of the Super Mario movie earlier this year, like, they've gone live action with it, which seems yeah. a, seems a bizarre move. I when... hate it. Is, is it going to be live action <laughs> in the sense that, like, it's going to be real world at... I mean, at we the, don't know. It's. I feel like, like it's going to be like a, a weird modern take on it where, like, I don't know, like... A, a brother and sister accidentally fall into fucking Hyrule and then it's all like, oh, I don't know. I'm trying to imagine the worst when it comes to it. I, don't, I think they'll take one of the stories. They'll either take Ocarina or Tears mm. of the Kingdom or one of those stories and adapt that. But yeah, just the live... I don't know how you can get that look right without it just looking off, without but, it looking stupid. I, I don't know. it was such a... If you look at the covers, because I think it will be, um, if not a direct adaptation, but I think it will probably be closer to Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, just because that's mm-hmm. where the mass popularity of Zelda yeah. is at the moment. If you look Breath of the, the Wild front... stories is almost non-existent. Breath of the Wild does have a story. <laughs> yeah, if it's not a good one, I don't yeah, want it, that it story. It is a good story. Yeah, it's like a nah. really decent little fairy tale uh, of I didn't, kind I didn't, of post-apocalypse. I didn't Shush, love the story of the game. <laughs> but my point is here is that the front cover, like the key art for both of those games, is genuinely gorgeous. It's this beautiful kind mm-hmm. of like almost watercolor-like art style. And... I don't get why they're not... So the the producer of this film is Avi Arad, right? Like, who yeah. has done... Has a very storied career of ups and downs, you know. Uh, has been at Sony for a very long time. If you like has, the Maze Runner. No, that's that the director. Him? That's that's Oh, Wes God, Ball. yeah, sorry. So, so, the, so the producer has done all of your Spider-Mans. He has and been the ve- long And your Venoms. Yes. Well, this is the thing. is very up and down career of good Spider-Man films and absolutely dreadful Spider-Man films. Um, so very spotty. But if there's one thing that you can say for Ari Avard is that kind of like he helped bring Spider-Verse into, into the world. Mm-hmm. I just don't get why they're not looking at Spider-Verse and thinking, let's use this animation approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not you don't you don't have to have kind of like the the slightly kind of choppy animation that Spider-Verse does but that kind of approach with lots of 2D and 3D mixed mm. with 2D textures but in the art style that's on the front cover of the Zelda games that absolutely perfect for it i don't understand why yeah. they want it to look like instead of getting like michael Sarah's link and stuff and that's going to be great can't wait for I would, i'd watch that though that i, I would that would be, be great would be good. <laughs> oh, i just the idea of link speaking just like put shit i mean what if he for, for as long as people talked about a zelda film right they've talked about like a miyazaki art style yeah. which yeah. seems like it would be perfect i mean that's and, the dream scenario but that's just not going to happen is it well, no, Miyazaki would Prin- never... Just watch Princess Mononoke instead. Yeah. yeah, and obviously I don't think Ghibli would ever do it. But also there are plenty of people that have left Ghibli and have, you know, have gone yeah. on to do their own work. I think that would have been a, a perfectly good approach. But this, I'm worried it's going to feel like really American fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just can't wait for the soundtrack, like, because we mentioned it in a meeting. I think you yeah. did, where like modern pop songs and shit. Like, well, that's I, I like. I really don't like the Mario yeah. film at all. Like, yeah. I love the art of it, and I think that it's a it's a beautiful representation of what Mario mm. uh, is from an artistic standpoint. But um, I didn't like the story, and I particularly don't like any bit where it drops a pop song into yeah. it. Like, it bon- just bon- Bonnie Tyler's going to be in it for sure. I just yeah, I mean, you've got so much great Zelda music. It would seem a crime not to use that, right? <sighs> They're going to have him on a pona running through like Hyrule Field towards like where Zelda's held up in a castle with Bonnie Tyler playing. Yeah. Like, I can <laughs> see it already. Honestly, like if they just made like a 
a dumb sort of Shrekified version <laughs> of The Legend of Zelda. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> I'll, I'll cry myself to sleep. I'm not yeah. even that attached to Zelda and I still hate it. Yeah. Live action's a weird choice. We'll see how that develops. Who knows? Could be pleasantly surprised. The kids will um, enjoy it. You'd hope. You'd hope. <laughs> But yeah. Um, one thing the kids won't be enjoying, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, because oh. they shouldn't be playing it because it is a, an 18 rated game. Is it? 16, 18? No, it's an 18. I don't know. It's absolutely yeah. an 18. Yeah, I mean, no one should be playing this game. Um, <laughs> Call of Duty. I think it's fair to say we, we all have a shared love for Call of Duty over yeah. the years. It's, it's provided some of the best first person shooter campaigns available. Um, Modern Warfare 3 came out this year. Um, it's so bad. It really is just like chronic. Maybe um, before we go any further, I think I almost think that this has to be contextualized a little bit yeah, with the situation. So, that's fair. Uh, Modern Warfare Three has been made by Sledgehammer, who um, a long time ago. Well, I say a long time ago, only within the last year since Modern Warfare Two came out, there was a rumor that the next game was actually going to be just an expansion to Modern Warfare Two. Um. Then that got turned into a full premium release. Turns out that the whole story of this, according to Bloomberg, who have been chatting to people on the inside, is that originally Sledgehammer were developing Advanced Warfare 2. That was their original plan. Then they got told, no, you're going to go off and you're going to make an expansion for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. And then they got told, actually, no, can you turn that into a full campaign. In the Originally, space of, what, seven months, maybe? Well, so I think in the end, they had 16 months to, to okay. make it, something like that. But... Originally, this expansion apparently was just going to be set in Mexico. It was going to be part of like the Modern Warfare 2 <laughs> Which none of line. this campaign takes place in. Yeah, so, so basically all of this has been forced to have been made in you know, yeah. a, a year and a half, basically. So that is the context for why... And it really it is, shows. Yeah, why it is <laughs> yeah. the worst. I feel I, I, my heart yeah. bleeds for Sledgehammer because many of the things that we're about to slag it off for probably <laughs> isn't their, their fault. fault. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I always like to... Pre- like, I never like to, yeah, have a go at developers because no one sets out to make a bad game, right? And the conditions they've been, by sounds like, been put in here to make this game are far, far, far from ideal. But... Still have to critique the end result, and that's what I did. Gave a four out of ten on IGN, by far the lowest scoring Call of Duty campaign we've ever given. And I, it's, it's, I've had more time to think about it now. I think it's easily the worst Call of Duty campaign I've ever played, yeah. mainly because it barely makes a campaign because there Shapeless. is sh- there's the odd cutscenes in between, basically sections of DMZ and Warzone map. Like there's maybe. Off the top of my head, two missions that are kind of constructed like a traditional single-player level, like you'd go through and do stuff. Yeah. Whereas the rest of them are just go in this little, like, I don't know, 100-meter square section of Verdansk and destroy three tanks and then leave. And like that, that's not what it, the Call of Duty campaign is. It's like and, the multiplayer-fication of it all. Like, And I, that's the thing, I've never really messed around with Warzone either, so I didn't recognize the immediate landmarks that other people would have clocked. And stuff. There's, I think, a total of six sections of Verdansk in in this campaign, and there's what fourteen yeah. missions. Mm-hmm. So pretty much half of it is locations you've been to before. One of them, they kind of, to be fair, do something a bit interesting with, and in a way you've not seen it before, and would work. I think in a different campaign, there is the odd mission here that would work in context with others, but like to call it a campaign is just so. 
It can be it's almost misleading three hours. Or so. Yeah, like three and a half to four hours it took me. Like there is basically the story is they've brought back Makarov, who is like the villain from the original Modern Warfare trilogy, like a great villain, one of my like favourite villains in video games, and kind of reduced him to a caricature in this game, who's kind of you're kind of like what I don't know quite what he's trying to do. He kind of tries to repeatedly do terrorist attacks, but then fail. He's kind of like I don't know. He's kind of like a wily e. coyote of terrorism. <laughs> like he just gets stopped at every like step, and then like you never really learn about his character. You just know he's out there trying to cause mayhem, basically. And then the campaign just ends. Oh, like yeah. there's like three oh. hours of like me- very mediocre gameplay bad cutscenes, and then the game just ends and, 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 when just you, and when you say that like the game literally does just end i almost thought when you get to that particular i don't know crescendo moment almost i thought oh this is leading into the act like the third act of the campaign yeah but it li- literally just ends it's just it's everything insane. the call of duty campaign shouldn't be and we've I've talked about this a lot i mean matt you have a video going live today about how the original modern warfare uh from 2007 was still is the pinnacle of that series mm-hmm. campaign wise and i've been replaying it this week i've i'm like two-thirds through i mean it's only what five hours long so i'm most of the way there but um it still is just remarkable how good that game is and it's just shows the difference between this latest one and that one like just like replaying again just how each mission is like so different like you are doing something different each time yeah. that's just sense of cinema that just isn't there mm-hmm. in this new one like what? Coincidentally, I watched um, Black Hawk Down this week. Oh, okay. I'd never actually seen Black Hawk Down before. It's the first time I ever watched it. Uh, inspiration for that. Exactly. Game. So I, I was watching it and I was like, oh, this is just the crash map and the war- like the whole like shock and awe section mm-hmm. from <laughs> Call of Duty. Like, I could see basically they'd watched that film, hadn't they? Um, but yeah, it's just like you try and like see what are the inspirations for Modern Warfare 3 and I couldn't pick you out anything apart from we didn't have time. We've got the assets for yeah. Verdansk. Let's stage a few missions there and yeah. hope for the e- best. Even just thinking, like, how was how was uh, Modern Warfare 3 inspired from prior Call of Duties and stuff? You know, you look at the original trilogy or even, you know, prior COD entries. And this ties back to um, the feature you did recently, Matt, how Call of Duty reinvented the first-person shooter. And that really... I never realized it much as a kid, but why it was so fun to play Call of Duty is, what, is that you felt like your AI squad mates were like, you know, the most important part of those missions mm-hmm. and how, you know, even just having their name and then sometimes, you know, the health might go from green to la- yellow and then you might have that little connection with that one NPC yeah. for no I was reason. I like Cod 4 earlier. It's remarkable just like how many people go down around you. Sometimes yeah. you are left alone. Yeah, yeah like, but, but, but the, with Modern Warfare 3, this version, you are always just fighting by yourself and it, and it just sticks out like a sore thumb. There's like maybe two missions in the entire campaign where you have like squads with you and it feels mm. more distinctly like an original uh, yeah. campaign. But it's especially weird because like it feels like more than ever they're trying to build a connection between like, oh, you, you love ghost soap and gas and people, don't you? And they're trying to build that, but then they do nothing to do that until the end where they try and like shock you, I think. But- and also considering that there's a more... Um, you know, there's more of an effort to make the... Well, there seems to be an effort to, to create that kind of bond. There's A, they're never around you, and a lot of it is just very banal radio chatter. Yeah. Um, But also kind of like some of the, the choices they make with the characters. So, for example, kind of like Kate Laswell, who is your CIA handler. She's the kind of person that's, you know, deciding what Task Force 141 does and all of that. 
this game weirdly decides that she's now a field agent and one yeah. of the worst <laughs> missions in this oh, game so bad. is where you basically it's it's the kind of like demanded stealth mission where you go in undercover dressed as kind of like an enemy and you've got to essentially walk around uh doing like small tasks but the 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 kind of like detection ai system in that is effectively all or nothing they've spotted you or they haven't yeah and so walking i think you pointed this out in your review card like walking within six feet of them seems to just be an instant detection yeah. regardless oh, yeah. if, of what if, your if behavior you dare is. even sprint like and you're on a military base like people have you know shit to do and places to go if you dare run at an abnormal speed they instantly start shooting you it's, it's weird and this like that Mission in a nutshell is something that's wrong with this game stealth-wise. Like, it seems like every mission they try and set you up to play it stealthily. This game isn't built for stealth. You can't, as you point out, Matt, you can't even do takedowns in half of the missions. Yeah. Um, and if you are discovered, like it's almost, it's pretty much impossible to get back into stealth. Like You make one noise and suddenly everyone on the map knows exactly where you are. Yeah. It kind of makes there's, no sense. There's also a weird thing. So um, I think we probably discussed this last year because obviously I, um, I thought Modern Warfare 2 was pretty mediocre like it, it's mm. it, it's it it wasn't my favorite call of duty map sorry campaign by a by a distinct margin but i think one of the things that we we had discussed about is like it's about time that call of duty started trying to find other ways to kind of use its brand and one of the things that i think is i do think it needs a little bit more kind of openness and i think if you if i could point to a uh, an element that suggests that they could do it it's the um lights out mission from modern warfare yeah. 2019 which gave you multiple objectives and a much larger campaign map to do in the order that you decided now obviously because this is all on just chunks of warzone it's those maps were not designed for campaign flow whereas whilst lights out was more open it was designed for campaign flow so you got kind of the feel of a call of duty mission which you don't get here but also when you create these more open areas, you're essentially inviting someone to start in stealth. Um, quite often, you don't get given the weapons that you need to perform stealth from the opening of the mission. I mean, so you, find, you find a kill streak where it's just like, oh, you, you start the mission stealth, and then I, the first kill streak I found was just like an airstrike from a jet. And I was yeah. like, well, that's just going to break everything. But, but but this is my point. So they give you weapons that are not really adept for you starting in stealth. And then, so what you have to do is you have to do the DMZ slash Warzone thing of like, the loop is, I'm now going to walk around this map trying to find boxes that are inexplicably just hold up with colour graded loot and different kill street rewards <laughs> to then hopefully find the stuff I want to be able to suit my playstyle. And then basically, if I get killed along the way, well, at least I get to start the entire mission again but I get to keep all of the equipment that I already found. It also just makes like no narrative yeah. sense. Why are these like why are these top tier like best of the best soldiers dropping into these areas with no equipment for the job? Yeah. <laughs> like what what are it's, they doing? Like, so so there's one mission. So one of the slightly better of these Warzone style ones is I don't actually think it is from Warzone. At least I don't ever remember it. So the one where you start like in the water and you get to go up and there's kind of like this beautiful almost like yeah, it's almost like a tropical resort. Yeah, mm. with like an Iron Man style. It looks house. like a Hitman level, right? Yeah, yeah, very much. And it does start you with silenced weapons, but none of them have scopes on them or sights. Yeah. And it's like what high end top tier <laughs> uh, like operative 
goes into this mission without a sight on their thing, which meant yeah. that it was much more difficult for me to adopt a good silence playstyle. Mm. And the map what did never felt like it was built for close encounters. And also, you can't effectively do takedowns on people. So it's not like you can do it as a sort of dishonoredy style, like uh, move from person like, to person. They could have done that. Like, and obviously, don't have a go too much, because obviously they didn't have the time to implement mm. it. Maybe they had great ideas, some of this, and they just didn't have time to do it. But like, I was playing for that mission. I was like, oh, it'd be so cool right now if there was like a way I could... like. So I was playing through COD 4, I was like, if I could turn off all of the lights on this resort, yeah. then like trigger some night vision and go through there. Like, yeah. You can't shoot the bulbs out or anything like that. I know. That. It's like, I don't think you use night vision once in this campaign. And for me, that's like modern warfare. Is like, you, def- you definitely do at it the start. you do at the start. And I yeah. think oh, that very first mission, mission right, yeah. you do. But um, it's, it's, it's limited mm. in, in terms of like the the touch points that we'd expect of modern warfare, they yeah. are definitely yeah. limited throughout this campaign. But like, there's no, like we said, there's just, it's just kind of incoherent. There's no flow. It's just, nothing happens during the missions really, apart from one or two, like where there's events yeah. like that, the stadium mission kind of things happen around you. But like, like I was saying, playing through the old cards, it's like, end of mission like things would happen like you were yeah. in that story whereas this time it's like, let's cut to a cutscene and they still to their credit, the cutscenes, still some of the most beautifully mm. rendered cutscenes I've ever seen in my life. They've got nothing to say. Yeah. but Also, <laughs> much, much less of the actual characters in these cutscenes because I think you can tell that they've really struggled. A lot more of the cutscenes now are those, like, digital maps yeah. with yeah. kind of, like, codec-style uh, uh, dialogue bits coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the original Modern Warfare you're effectively watching miniature movies with like these beautifully rendered things and they've yeah. scaled that back a lot for this one. It really is just like... Talking of characters, by the way, bad. why the hell is uh, General Shepard and Graves just in this that's, as characters that, that did not appear to have been the yeah. most traitorous yeah, idiots I, in the That's what really yeah. confused yeah. me. Confusing. I can't remember the, the ending of Modern Warfare 2. I thought... I, I thought at the end of Modern Warfare 2 that Graves had died. I'd forgotten that he was still around. Um, but yeah, he was still just like completely, he should be in prison for life or yeah. like, like, like what's going on? But yeah, there seems to be no coherency of character building in this or coherency of story. It feels all over the place, um, which I guess leads us to um, no Russian. Which is kind of just like I wrote in my review. It's like I was I was ready for them I was either ready to praise it for doing a great job at recreating one of the most effective missions ever put in a first-person shooter, right? And it was controversial at the time, but I'm on the side of highly effective, serves the story very well. This time around, they kind of do it twice. Yes. Kind of. But neither of them really have consequence or say anything. And they're kind of, I feel like they're just there. It's like, we've got Makarov, well, we have to do that sort of thing again where we put you in the position of an innocent person. <laughs> yeah, well, this is a this is a, a massive problem with the Modern Warfare trilogy. Well, I guess it, it feels like it's going to turn into a quadrology of some description, <laughs> but I think the original Modern Warfare, sorry, not original of this reboot series, so Modern Warfare 2019, I think is genuinely fantastic, really set up an amazing kind of foundation for what could have been an exceptional set of games. Um, Modern Warfare 2 from last year, kind of fell into this thing where it's like, oh, we need to take a lot of the things that you remember from Call of Duty and retread them, which is why you get two AC-130 missions. It's why you get an all-gillied-up clone. It's why you get a crew-expendable clone. And then this one, again, it's like, well, we've got to have Makarov back. Um, 
And so that means we've got to do no Russian. Now, the original no Russian, yes, is very, very complicated. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of very good points, negative and pro for that mission. But what it is, is it comes at the almost very start of the game. And it makes you very morally question the position of the United States and why they'd let that happen. But B, it is the catalyst for Makarov mm -hmm. beginning World War Three, and it's the catalyst for the Russians invading America. It is, there's a lot of talk about like false flag operations in this and blaming certain terrorist mm. attacks on certain other nations. Never does it come through as the actual point of the plot of this game. Well, that's what, and that's why I wrote my review. It's like, obviously you can't blame Sledgehammer for what's happening in the world right now mm -hmm. or them knowing that, you know, we'd currently be at this heightened state of like information wars and terrorism like coming to the forefront. But, you know, it's been a big part of our world for the whole of this millennium, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, the original... I'm not saying the original Modern Warfare trilogy handled these in the most subtle ways, but it did at least try and say something, mm -hmm. I think. Whereas, yeah. And even Modern Warfare 2019 did try to say something yeah. about chemical warfare, whether you think it's successful in that or not. And, is and, de and destabilisation and ultranationalism, all of yeah. those elements were part of that. Whereas this one, it's kind of like they've just gone, oh, here's these issues, but not said anything about it. It's kind of like, I didn't want to go too harsh. Like my original draft said it's irresponsible. I don't think it's irresponsible. It's kind of just like, think about like when you're using these subjects that are affecting real people on a daily basis yeah. for pure entertainment or shock so, value, but they're not trying to say yeah, anything. I um I don't think I I think I don't think you're being harsh saying it's irresponsible. Yeah. Like in a in we are currently in an era where false flag is waved mm. around by all sorts of lunatic conspiracy theorists all the time. And so to do a story about false flag operations where you blame a marginalized kind of region of the world for all your terrorism attacks, I do think it can be could be considered irresponsible for what they're doing in the story. Mm. Yeah. It's just I think that's just like the whole problem of this campaign as a whole that I came away thinking it's just like just like compared to how thrilling they used to be it was just like vacuous mm -hmm. it was just yeah. like there was just nothing to it like nothing to them no, no memorable missions no memorable story the same characters used in a worse way like I just I was just like not often do I actually actively encourage people to not buy something but like if you are someone who looks forward to cold campaigns every year and like in no way on earth is this worth you paying 70 quid for to play four hours of some of the worst first person shooter campaign missions you'll play like in all honesty yeah like for all, the multiplayer zombies i haven't played yet could be very good fun if you're into it for that yeah go ahead but like if you're someone who more like i am these days just looks forward to the campaigns like this just it really is not worth it but yeah it's so sad because you know, often people say like, oh, Call of Duty campaigns, they're terrible. A small handful yeah. of them aren't very good. But like, so many of them are so good. Like, but I think I think people just forget how many things were memorable of those old campaigns, whether you're, you know, it's all gillied up or, you know, aftermath with, you know, the nuke going off in Call of Duty 4, or even crossing like the Volga River and stuff in the original Call of Duty. There's so many memorable moments and highlights even you know whether it's betrayals or character deaths and whatnot but uh you you really just get none of that and it's sad to see the setup that 2019 did to the sort of i don't know middling yeah. fall that bottom warfare like, 2 had i ended my review saying maybe it's time we took a year or two off but 
next year's is being is been in development i think for three years if, I, if i'm thinking right so maybe you know we can have higher hopes for next year's call yeah i mean it's been a long time since treyarch actually had a campaign yeah. come out right yeah. because obviously treyarch's previous game was black ops cold war in which raven did the mm-hmm. um the the uh the, the campaign and yes they obviously they were actually given a similar time frame to this but they knew from the start that they needed to make a campaign they weren't thinking that they were making expansion. I think that's a pretty good campaign. I love yeah, Black yeah. Ops Cold War. Yeah. It's really short. Yes, it's only about five or six missions long. But those five or six missions are all individual concepts. The yeah. bit where you're in the Spetsnaz training facility is one of the best missions that the COD mm. has ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, the the break into the Kremlin, really fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really good. This one, sadly not. Uh, it's always annoying to moan for like <laughs> 20 minutes about a game. But sometimes... Just got to do it if it's not very good, don't yeah. you? Um, what else have we got to talk about? Thirsty Suitors. I've been playing a bit of this. Have either of you uh, checked out I've Thirsty Suitors? I've not heard of it at all. I have not, but I do I think it looks it really cool. I thought it would be on your radar, Jesse. Um, it is essentially a South Asian version of the Scott Pilgrim story set in Seattle or the surrounding areas of Seattle in America. And the easiest pitch for this game is the Scott Pilgrim story of this girl, Jala, coming back to town and all of her exes. I wouldn't say they're necessarily evil exes because it kind of paints her more as the person who's the problem and they're kind of... <laughs> I mean, she's Scott trying to resolve these issues. definitely the oh, problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, it was framed as the evil exes, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Whereas this one, I feel like it's more conscious of, oh, maybe Jala's the problem here. Right. Um, but the gameplay is basically Persona mixed with Tony Hawk. That sounds sick. <laughs> In theory, I've been looking forward to this game for a long time. In theory, right up my alley. Very good. I think it's all right. It's that sort of game of like, I can tell I'm not completely into it. So I'll play half an hour and I'm like, that's me done, I think. I'll right. play mm-hmm. half okay. an hour more tomorrow. It's, I, I like the tone of it. It's very Scott Pilgrim. It's very like, I imagine like, the way I can describe it, it's got a bit of that Life is Strange. The easiest shorthand is like Dale would hate this game and he's probably listened to that <laughs> listened to this or looked at this game and gone, yeah, not for me. It's got that sort of vibe to it of very like Gen Z, everyone talks yeah. like that. And it's all over the top. Like everyone like front flips into like downstairs <laughs> and stuff like that. It's like, it's very it, cartoonish over the top. It immediately the way the clears game- it up when you say it's not a Dale game, like sort of puts in a very narrow category. <laughs> when you uh, so the gameplay is kind of like you're going around this small town talking to people and you skate around town for the most part and you also do skate challenges the problem is like it skating is just not and the same as combat like it just never reaches what it's trying to like wait like has so much reverence for like the tony hawk games like it never feels that good to skate around and do tricks okay. it feels okay like i think this is for me like a thorough seven out of ten game like it's, it's good fun but it's not it's like and i say it's made by a small team it's an indie game so i'm not like going in too hard but like it doesn't don't go into this thinking you're gonna get like tony hawk style like tricks like building and like great like map design because they're all very like small little maps and stuff like that but then there's also the battle side which comes into it which is basically kind of a bit like persona you have and it has like some interesting tweaks to it so like it's not just turn-based combat there's a bit more of an active side to it so when you send an attack or defend it you have to do quick time events like you can either hit like good or super or bad to like you'll do more damage points or or take less damage if you time those right so there is a bit more you can't just sit back and turn base it but 
the interesting tweak is like it very much leans into the whole thirsty suicide of everyone you fight is kind of thirsty for you or or you can choose to be thirsty for them if you want and like you have different ways of like doing debuffs so you can do different taunts such as you can make them thirsty for you you can enrage them you can impress them and that makes them vulnerable to different attacks you have but you don't know which you you kind of have to first use those taunts but sometimes your enemies those taunts will be ineffective against so you kind of have to work out which sword fighting then to a certain a little bit like that yes kind of like insults sword fighting crossed with persona combat but again it's just never quite as satisfying as persona combat it's kind of every every fight kind of goes the same way it's just attack use taunt attack use like you know you're kind of there's at least i'm only what two hours in i think it's not developed too much at this stage i don't think it will from what i've seen the story is kind of cool and i I imagine like i don't want to speak for anyone from that from like an indian or sri lankan like background but your parents in the game one's indian one's sri lankan you do a lot of cooking of the sort of the food of that culture and i imagine if you're like you know it's a kind of a culture that we had Fember, was it earlier this year that yeah, represented that, that part of the world it's not it's not a kind of culture you see often in games so it is nice to see and it's very colorful you get a lot of the music kind of weird music of sort of the music of that area of the world crossed with like some tony hawk style like i don't know like zebra head style music <laughs> and like it's just it's kind of i like playing it but it's not really i don't know if i'll finish it because the story's kind of interesting. The combat's kind of good. The skating's kind of good, but none of it's really... There's not that one thing yet that's gripping me to be like, I want to carry on and play it. But it is on Game Pass. So if you want to try it okay. out, I'd recommend it. I don't, I'm not quite sure how long it is, but it doesn't feel like it's overly long. But yeah, it's a nice little nice little game. If you Can you actually... Can you romance your exes? Or is it all designed that they're... So you can, I'm kind of learning this at the moment that you can kind of do like you build them back into like your contact book on your phone and you can kind of do side missions. And I think you can like gradually start building bonds back with some of them. And they also like can like you can use your mum and your auntie as like summons. So I think you can build bonds to have like summons and like there's some really over the top stuff. Like your mum will just appear as like a two hundred foot thing with like a slipper <laughs> and just like hits on. Like it's got a lot of charm and style, and it's quite nicely written and quite funny. But yeah, just the gameplay at the moment's not hooking me in. Mm-hmm. So like I said, like I'm playing like half an hour spells and being like, okay, I've had my fill for now. But yeah, I check out Thirsty Suits if you're looking for something different especially if you have game pass mm. um last night you know what i finally watched have you guys heard of the deepest breath i have not, not. No. it was a documentary that came out earlier this year on netflix um done with a24 i think and i've been wanting to watch it for a while i've just not been in the mood because it is it's kind of still i only watched it last night but i keep thinking about it it's kind of stuck with me it's kind of tragic it's beautiful it's thrilling it's tense it's kind of got a bit of all of that but the premise is and it's kind of all i think like 95 percent of it like real life footage as well with a couple of reenactments for some obvious reasons but um it's about these people if you do you know the sport free diving oh yeah where basically the object of free diving is in one breadth how far down can you get into the ocean like to set a world record and like become the best in the world and like people are going like over a hundred meters down into the this is the ultimate respect the sea film um people are going a hundred meters down into like lagoons in the ocean on one single breath for minutes at a time 
it's that sort of extreme sport where you're like, you would never, ever, 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 ever get me to do that once, let alone <laughs> these people who do it like a hun- hundreds of times a year. Yeah, that or cave um, diving. Yeah. It's kind of got a bit of, did you ever watch, um, oh, what's it called? The climbing film Free Solo. Yes. Did you ever watch that? It's kind of got a bit of that to it as well. It's that sort of thing of like, I don't know how these, how this is going to end for all these people. Um, and like I said, it's kind of got that sort of constant tension of, I don't know what's going to happen to any of these people. Also, it's got like some beautiful stories, like a great sense of like people living their life the way they want it, but also like a, a good helping of tragedy as well. And it does, mm. For so, I deliberately didn't read about any of the people involved in the film, so I don't know like the outcomes, but like it does, and as much as a real story, it kind of does a real good job of until the very end, not you not knowing how this is going to end. Um, because it doesn't, for all the people involved in the film, it doesn't necessarily show them being interviewed. It just uses voices of people. And I would just, if you're, I mean, it's by no means a relaxing watch. It's it's a two-hour, quite tense documentary, but it's on Netflix if you want to check out The Deepest Breath. I think it's probably the best documentary I've seen this year. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'd recommend that if you want to. You guys been watching anything this week? No, I uh, rewatched RoboCop just because I've been playing oh, okay. a bit of the game. Oh yeah, that, actually I have done that. I've been meaning to do that because I haven't watched it in like it's, fifteen. It's really years. good. Like I, I know that kind of like we're at the moment in a bit of a, a not a groove like an anti groove with where kind of a lot of big kind of like popcorn films are going right. Like all of us feel like we've fallen off the MCU ladder a bit. Mm. Watching this, and I know that it, you know, it's not it's not in the same category because <clears throat> it's it's a very, very violent 18 rated film. But it, it it was still of kind of like that big kind of popcorn moment of like the late 80s. It just feels like they did <laughs> this is me being a grumpy old man now. It just feels like they did it so much better back then. Like it's it's <laughs> it's practically a faultless film. It's just it's a really good satire. It's really mm-hmm. well paced. The music's great. The effects are brilliant. I just had a really good time with it. <laughs> I need to watch it again. Did you? Have you guys finished uh, Gen V? Uh, no, I've yes. only watched the first episode. So oh. it's really good. Mm-hmm. Really worth watching. I was. I think we said it when the first episode launched. Like, if you forget how much I enjoy the boys and that mm. sort of tone they set, and it kind of it's pretty much the exact same tone of the show, right? Just with some a younger cast. Yeah, but mm-hmm. yeah, I liked it. And uh, again, very excited Verhoeven-ish for the boys season four. Because, yeah, yeah, because of the boys, definitely yeah. violent and satire. Um, but yeah. Can't wait for the boys season four now, and I'll probably forget about it until it launches, and then be like, "Oh, I love the boys." Have you guys rewatched <laughs> any of the boys like fully? Because I feel like I'm in the I've mood now back, to do it. No. Mm. I don't feel like I need to necessarily. That's fair. But yeah, um, yeah. What have you been doing this week, Jesse? Tell, tell us everything. <laughs> um, this all hurt everyone's ears and probably upset people greatly. But me and my partner been watching her uh, keeping up with the Kardashians. <laughs> It's that coupled with really awful Christmas Hallmark movies. What? Um, what? It's, it's November the 10th. What are there you doing? There are so many releasing. It's genuinely surprising. Why do you want to watch a Hallmark <laughs> Christmas movie? They're, well, they're, like the epitome of the worst. Oh, yeah, I know. They're, they're absolutely dog shit. But I think because we usually watch like, you know, really great new releases or go back to old films that are always superb and stuff, right? But then... We just had this sort of feeling recently where like, we sort of just miss watching like shitty TV. Like not when you're like browsing through Netflix or just like literally going on Freeview and seeing what's on there and how shit it is. And then just watching through a few of those. And they are it's far generally... too early for Christmas films, bad or good. Like, I've, I've just... been going like, I think the stores local to me, like shopping, whatever, like they're playing Christmas music already. 
It's too early. Not until December do I allow it. But also, personally. I understand an ironic hate watch once in a while, but like a multiple marathon <laughs> of lots of Hallmark Christmas yeah. movies. Keep out with the Kardashians. Like, well, how far through are you? Well, I mean, my partner's watched every season of that. Are you keeping up? I'm I'm trying to. There's a lot to go through um, so far. Well, if, what have you learned? What's your mini biggest? Who's your favourite Kardashian? Oh, fuck. Um, you know what? I've actually forgotten her name. <laughs> Chloe, Courtney, Kim. No, not Kim. Kylie, oh, Kendall. Shit, I'm trying to... You know what? I can't even remember. I generally can't remember I mean, that's all of names. them, isn't it? <laughs> oh, no, but I'm trying to associate the name with who they are. And for some reason, I'm failing to do that. It sounds like you're not right keeping now. up with them at all. Actually, you can't not, even remember okay, their names. Okay, there we go. Chloe. There we go. I figured Chloe's it out. your favourite. Okay, it's good to know. Yes. Uh, that's your Christmas <laughs> present sorted. A Chloe uh, Kardashian poster. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Enjoy that. Um, do you know what? You can win now, though. There's pride in the endless search. There's no prizes but God is there some pride to be won. We do have a new theme, as is the want these days. Um, this one is from Igor Spirati. He says, Good day, IGNers. I have to come clean and admit I never really liked the OG Endless Search tune. Boo. <laughs> In fact, I'd often skip forward 15 seconds to avoid it. It's just rude. It's just rude. So here's one I've cobbled together using my primitive recording skills, using nothing but my phone. I think you'll all agree... It's a winner. Love and kisses and respect that damn sea. Got a bit of a punk edge to it, this one. Mm. And it definitely does sound like it's been recorded on a phone. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. 
Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What do we think of that? I would commend them for doing it on their phone. Yeah. Yeah, it I prefer like, the OG one personally, but yeah. I do like a bit of punk. It's a bit like, so. you know, remember Bertha, the big machine from when you were a kid that was on TV? <laughs> it's like they fed like the sex pistols in one end and got this out the other. Got a glowing review from that person there. Who does actually have in the palm of his hand today's game? What are we playing? I do. We're playing a user-submitted endless search called the Credits Quiz from Tom Anna who says, Hi all, I am writing with an endless search submission. This one's simple. Guess the film based on the lesser known credits. Five points for guessing after one clue, four after Ooh. two, two blah de blah de blah uh, There are five Ooh. films each with five credits. No, all of these clues are production. None are roles or extra. Have fun. Okay. Interesting. Sounds so, funky. Uh, I guess you kind of have to uh, use kind of like the the production roles as a guess for what is involved in said film. Oh, um, yeah. So we'll start with film one. Uh, the vehicle design uh, was done by Fireball Tim Lawrence. <laughs> vehicle design. I'm Mad that's Max not, Fury Road? That's not a real name. It's not, no. Uh <sighs> Top Gun. <laughs> Top Gun. Man. Sorry, no. Uh, we'll move on. Uh, if Cardi knows uh, anything, he knows a good DOP, but does he know <laughs> Dean That's Chundley. director of photography for anyone thinking that's anything else, by the way. Uh, who was who that? Dean Chundley. Gene Chundley? Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that one. I know a Dean Cundy. Really? Is it not that? <laughs> It, 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 actually, I think you're probably right. C U N D L E Y. Because he was the direct, he was the director of photography at Jurassic Park. So I'm gonna say Jurassic Park. Ding ding. Oh my yes. God. There we go, Cardi. Four points to Cardi. <laughs> oh, fuck. You love to hear it. Sorry, that's my pronunciation wrong. It's always it's when you've never heard it said aloud. Um, right, Cardi gets four. Yeah. This is tough. Uh, film. I got two. lucky there. Okay. Uh, we get the first aid medic New Mexico unit was Doug New Acton. Mexico. Sicario? Mm, I'm afraid it's not Sicario, no. Do we have any film made in that part of the world? <laughs> oh, fuck. Captain Marvel, <laughs> I don't know. It's not Captain Marvel, no. Uh, okay, for four points. The facial hair maker was Carol Duran. Facial hair maker. So I'm trying to think of like a famous beard or moustache. Film, in filmed film. in New Mexico and definitely had facial hair. There'll be blood? Uh, not there will be blood. <laughs> okay. uh, oh, fuck me, man. I'm not, I'm not getting this at all. It's another one of those kind of games. Uh, I, right, I'm going to okay. have to skip. <laughs> uh, the number three... I think this one's a, a, a one that you might be able to get it on. Directed by Old Chuckles Branner, Kenneth <laughs> Branner. Ooh. Well, that narrows it down to a few. What film would he have done in New Mexico? 
Oh, uh, wait, is it? Are we taking? We are taking Thor? turns, aren't we? Is it Thor? It is Thor, Cardi. <laughs> Fuck. I was thinking in my head, Frankenstein? His Frankenstein? I was like, that wasn't shot in New Mexico. <laughs> did he do Death on the Nile? Uh, he, did, he did, yeah. Right, that's what I was going to say. Uh, and that would, I guess, would have been a pretty good, because, uh, but did they shoot anything on location in Death I'm on the Nile? I'm almost certain they didn't after watching it. that. Oh, it's, it's dreadful, Cardi. Yeah, it it's sucks. Really <laughs> okay, film number three. Oh. <laughs> um... On the trombone was Robert Argente. Oh, God. I think I know what film, what film this is. has a big trombone. I think I know it? what film this is, and I watched it. I swear to God, this year. How do you know that from no, the trombone? No, I'm, I'm only player. guessing. <sighs> Fuck. I'm trying to think of like a big trombone film. <laughs> Whiplash. <laughs> no, it's not Whiplash. <laughs> Oh my god! I feel like I know what film this is, and it's killing me. Like how do, I don't know how you think you could it's, know. What I'm film certain it's a film that you watched and also recommended, and it's stuck in my head. Uh, what, what, I what, did I did think... I go great trombone playing? No, by no, no. It's, it's going to make sense. It's going to make sense. So I do think that Jesse could know this one, and I think there okay. is like a reasonable reason why he would know who was on the trombone. That seems oh. like a clue. This is pissing me off so much. I cannot okay. remember the stupid. So for four film. points. The director of photography for the Lava Unit was the Lava Schumann. <laughs> what film has Lava in it? Oh, that's throwing me off a bit now. <laughs> the only film I can have in my head. <laughs> lava? And I'm going to say it if I can't think of another film with Lava in it. I, uh, I, I would say my initial answer was going to be Babylon. Oh, it's not. No, no. no, I don't think there's any lava in Babylon, is there? No, that's what, like uh, the, the that's why the first one threw me off a little bit. A lava? F- what, what film was that? It's not. It's, it's not fucking lava. the latest Spy Kids, is it? It's. It's, it's not. No. <laughs> they had lava in that. It was awful. That's exactly why I think Spy Kids 3D was yeah. the one film I had in my head. Why do we both go to lava? For? That's my guess. Spy Kids 3D. It, it's not. No. Okay. For three points, the horse wrangler was John Scott. Oh. So this film has lava Horse, and horses. Lava and horses. Yeah. And lava trombones and in its score. Lava, horses and trombones. Um, the lava, I'm trying to think. Maybe the lava wasn't a big part of the film. Just, um, I don't think this has lava in it. I think it's just a, a hot... Bl- Temple of Doom? I'm afraid not, no. in it? That would fit all of it, though. Yeah, it probably would. Uh, no, any any guesses, Jesse? I can't think of a film that has lava and horses and trombones. Like it's so fucked. You, you absolutely can. <laughs> What's this clue? I'm I know. I know it. you're paying because I'm terrible at these sort of things. But like, <sighs> I know that you know this film. Uh, okay, uh, number two for two points. The the film in the credits it dedicated the film to Bill and Joan Jackson. Return of the King. It is Return of the King. Yes. That's the one you could have got, Jesse. It's all gone for you now. Oh. See ya. <laughs> See you in Mordor. <laughs> See ya. Um, I got fuck. lucky of guessing the right one there, but I suppose that's the most lava-heavy one in my head. Yeah. It's the third one. There's sense. probably lava in all three, right? I think so, yeah. But it, it's almost certainly was all shot at the same time, wasn't it? They did all their yeah. lava takes. And I, was, I was almost thinking Night of the Museum, just because like it would have some shit music, it would have horses in the museum, and probably some stupid lava thing. Mm. 
But I've say, never seen Night at the Museum. Uh, neither have I. What, oh. what I have learned there is I didn't realise that the lava in Return of the King was actually lava. I always assumed that it would have been CG'd, but no, they yeah, clearly went and shot a load of lava. Yeah, there was something there erupting go. at the time when they went and shot it. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, okay, yeah. film four, which I'm I'm afraid Cardi has basically won it unless you can get the, the next two on the first go. This is bullshit. Um, Strange so, things have happened. The documentary cameraman for kissing footage was Mike <laughs> Ely. Kissing um, footage. Documentary footage. That's that's an odd credit, isn't it? For kissing footage. These are so so these are all quite difficult um, be, because of the nature of the the quiz. But what I will say is quite illuminating as to what roles there are in film production. A documentary footage inside a film, or this is a documentary. Uh, I'm fucked. I don't know. I'm just going to have to pass. Yeah. I've got no right. ideas. Uh, uh, number four, four points Portugal casting was Camilla Valentine Sola. I think for film set in Portugal. Uh, Could it be? I'll give you a doc- minor clue on that. Like, not all of the film is set in Portugal. Okay. And might I'm not actually be set any in film Portugal, but Portugal. has like, Portugal used. It's been a long time know. since I watched this. I can't think of any films that have... Oh, man. I'm, yeah, it's it's game over. Sort of mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, Fast and the Furious 6. No. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, for, for three points, the driver for Liam Neeson was Simon Saunders. Ooh. I can't think of a fucking film where... Taken? Oh. oh. I, I went to... Uh, I should have thought more about Liam. Should always think more about Liam. I was thinking that like what that stupid ice film he does, but while they have a unit in Portugal, unless he's got like a daughter in Portugal that's been fucking kidnapped. Some bullshit. <laughs> um I can't think of any Liam Neeson fucking film okay. other than Taken. Uh, one, two, or for, three. For two points, the prop buyer for France was Jean Paul Bernard. Portugal. A Portugal a film that has bits in France and Portugal and has Liam Neeson in it. Uh, would we have realistically seen this film? You want to say the Phantom Menace? I I think I think I I think there's a reasonable chance that both of you will have seen this because, uh, as a minor clue, the film has been out for a long time. Oh fuck! An old, or maybe an older Liam. I just can't. I just can't get my head away from fucking Schindler's List. It's not Schindler's List. For a single yeah, point. Written by Richard Curtis. Love Actually. It is Love Actually, <sighs> yes. I've not even seen that I've film. Never see, I've never seen it. Have you not? No, I've always just not not fancied it's, it. It's not Maybe actually, I like is it. Is it good? I wouldn't necessarily say People it was like good, it. but it is a British icon. Oh, Hugh Grant's in it. Right. Uh... For the final one, this, uh, for five points, scientific consultant Alexander Z- Xavier Ponce Bernardo. Sorry, Bernardo. Ponce Bernardo. Wait, what was the title? Uh, what was his job? He's a scientific consultant. Oppenheimer. No. Avatar. No. Okay, number uh, for four points, the guitar coach was Paul Hansen. Oh, fuck me. Oh. What's the point? Guitar coach. Try and think of a film that has that must be a clue. There must be a big guitar scene or something in this film. Oh yeah, that's a nod from. 
Back to the Future? Heavy, uh, Simon. Yes. Heavy. Yes. I mean, what other film do you think of that as a guitar scene that isn't like Spinal Tap? Yeah. Or uh, I, I could have got this. Sp- I, uh, so I, I went have. to see I got Back it right. to the Future, the musical, a few weeks ago. And I've heard it's very good. So the the actual music in it is not great. Like none of the musical numbers. I can't remember a single one. But as a stage <laughs> show, excellent. And Marty okay. says heavy 16 times across the entire thing. Damn. There we go. Good stuff. There was no uh, way I was going to win that, man. So, I sorry, enjoyed Jesse. that game. <laughs> I, I tried. Enjoyed that. Oh, Mr. 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 Dean Cundy coming in big time <laughs> for me. Uh, I was rooting for you, Jesse, to get the Return of the King one. You yeah. let yourself down, Jesse. How's it feel? I feel okay now. The thought now when you over. said that you that the trombone one was in your head, I was like, you're a man who I reckon would know like a quarter of the, the <laughs> orchestra that did the Lord of the Rings films. that's fair. I'm going to treat myself. I've got the 4K extended uh, Blu-rays of Lord of the Rings. That's going to be my Christmas treat, I think. Watching, Those are uh, very good. All the Lord of the Rings again. I can't wait for that. I'm putting it off for snowy days if we ever get them. Um, feedback, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. If you ever want to send in any of your own search games like that one, or indeed anything we've been talking about, just send us in anything. We'll talk about it. Maybe. I don't know. The first one here is from Joey Anzalone. He says, Dear IGN UK podcast, just wanted to mention some of my favourite video game cheat codes. In last week's episode, you mentioned a few cheats from Jedi Outcast. My favourite cheat in that one had to be the no clip one, where you would fly outside the map and explore the massive levels the game had. Do you remember that one, guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we go. The next one is a real big nostalgia pull for me because I, I remember actively doing this cheat all the time. LucasArts has some other wonderful cheat codes in their other games, such as the flyable Buick in the Rogue Squadron, or having your character in Mercenaries become Indiana Jones or Han Solo. I didn't know you could do that. I I played Mercenaries a bunch, but I didn't remember that. Mercenaries is fucking sick game. This is the one that I. This is the one that just like triggered like a a memory of like eight year old me in my head. My number one cheat code has to go to the one from Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine: Make Me a Pirate, which turned Indiana Jones into Guy Brush. Freakwood. I had completely Le- forgotten that this existed and when this yeah. email came into the inbox exactly like you said transported <laughs> back to being a kid also, it's also got an easter egg in that game where because I think near the end Indiana Jones ends up going through like some mad teleportation other world kind of shit and one of the teleports you can go through takes you to like guy brushes like on a room or something and you suddenly turn into him and then when you leave you're back as Indy and stuff. It's part, yeah, I, that vaguely rings about. Like, I remember that game. I played the first like couple of levels it all the time, so I found it quite hard. The, it the more it got yeah. on, when you got there's like a yeti bit. If I'm remembering right, that was quite hard. I can't remember. Like a I snowy just part. It being difficult. Yeah, God, make me a pirate. That's brought me back. Thank you very much, Joey from Chattanooga, Tennessee. I wish I was from Chattanooga, just so I could say I'm from Chattanooga. There we go, <laughs> Jesse. What email we got? I just want to say, why am I giving the football one? But either why way, not? <laughs> this is from Simon White. He says, hey, love the show. I wanted to share some football crisp selections. Uh, Ollie Watsits. Watkins. That's good. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. These are some good ones, by the way. We kind of, I thought we'd had all the ones sent in for these, but these are actually some very good um, England footballer uh, crisp names. <laughs> there you go. Got James Maddis Alt and Vinegar. That one kind of works. 
final work. So, so these, these just go over my head because I cannot. Just got put the worrying face. news that James Madison might be out for a couple of months, which oh, is very no. bad news. If, How uh, sad! If you're me. Uh, but there we go. Got Oliver Skips, which I think is a fairly obvious one. Oliver Skips is a good one. He's kind of. Uh, I did, you know, a few years ago had high hopes for Oliver Skips for he would be an England regular. I think he's still a decent footballer, but you know, not quite hitting the heights of hopes he once had. There the last go. name's confusing me a little because I can't tell oh, if that's a misspell. <laughs> there we go. I've, I've, I've there you go. It. Now, now it's fixed. Jude, <laughs> Jude Bellingham and Mustard. That's a good one. We should have thought of that. That's it. That is excellent. You must know who Jude Bellingham is, right? No. Not he's the best footballer on, on the on the planet at the moment. He's English. Mbappe he's only 20. was the greatest footballer. <laughs> no, that's it's, what my taxi driver now. told me. Oh no, it's Bellingham now. <laughs> Who has the highest number in FIFA? That's all I. That's all I care um, about. I don't know this year. Who has the highest number? Probably uh, it's Mbappe this year. But um, Simon goes on to say, respect the sea salt and vinegar. Thank you, Simon, for that. <laughs> there we go. Very much good. There, do, I'm very jealous of Jude Bellingham and Mustard. Yeah, should have got that one earlier but thank you very much uh matt what have we got yeah we've got one from dale hall who says hey ign uk i hope everyone is well i wanted to write in to see if any of you had the same issue i have with the ps5 controller mm. i hadn't bought a ps5 uh, up until now due to the cost but i finally saved up enough to get one and i couldn't wait any longer when spider-man 2 came out I'm about 15 hours into the game and I am finding playing through it very difficult, but not because of the game. It's amazing, but I'm struggling due to the incredible pain of the PS5 controller is giving me in both wrists. Being a gamer for 25 years, I've never had any issues with Carpal Tunnel, including hours of Destiny raiding without stopping to pee. But my <laughs> wrists are shot after just five, 45 minutes of Spider-Man sessions. I find the controller incredibly uncomfy, uncomfy and stiff to play with. I'm really gutted as I have so many games that I want to play, including God of War Ragnarok. Have you lot or any of the listeners had any of these same issues? If so, any tips to help? My doc friend said play less games, but that would suck and shouldn't be a solution. Anyway, respect the C. <laughs> I, uh, I had a bit of wrist pain a few years ago. Just, I've, so I haven't found the PS5 controller particularly problematic uh, in that I do. area. Do you, I do. do you agree? Yeah. So I, um, since actually, weirdly, it's been uh, since uh, COVID kicked off, mm -hmm. uh, I have, have really suffered um, and it, it comes on and off. I do think the PS5 controller uh, contributes to this. And I think I it, get it from uh, typing. Like, And I, mm. it's mainly from the way I lay down in my bed with my laptop and my wrists uh, are probably crooked. Yeah. See, see, I'm a desk user for, for PC. I'm very mm. old fashioned in that way. But also I am getting, it's less typing and it's more playing games with mouse and keyboard now. That's what gives me the worst wrist yeah. pain. However, I actually really struggle with Spider-Man, which is interesting because in general, I find playing on a controller is better for my wrists and my fingers than it is a keyboard. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I think it is with Spider-Man is A... And my recommendation would be to actually go into the settings menu on your PlayStation and reduce, if you haven't already, Dale, reduce the um, the tension on the adaptive triggers because I think that is a is a big... Because uh, you're having to put a lot you're of using pressure. using R2, you're swinging yeah. so much in that game. Right? Yeah. But it's also... The other thing I find is... Um, it's using the face buttons as frequently as you do in Spider-Man because you're constantly attack, 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 attack. And so mm -hmm. you're having to push yeah. like the face buttons a lot, which really does pull on your thumb as you're lifting up from yeah. the stick onto the face. Because I don't get that with... Um, so simultaneously with Spider-Man, I was also playing Liza P. 
And I didn't get anywhere near the, well, quite honestly, none of the hand strain because the attacks, because that uses a Dark Souls style setup, they're on your mm-hmm. um, triggers and, and bumper buttons, which obviously are, are less, there's less strain and stretching with your hands, which obviously then that strain and stretching reaches down into your wrists, which is where all of those muscles yeah. are going. Um, it makes sense to me because the two games they gave it to me most were always Overwatch and that's because that's a mm. lot of triggers as well and face buttons as well but also FIFA is like the worst one for me because that is right. holding in R2 to sprint a lot of the time and then the face buttons to pass <laughs> and, you and, and, is, and is FIFA now does that use adaptive triggers now yes but I turn them off because it just doesn't need it whatsoever yeah. mm-hmm. so, so um, I'd, I'd recommend yeah. definitely uh, Spider-Man doesn't have a setting in the game to change the adaptive triggers but if you go into the system menu on the PlayStation and reduce the adaptive uh, you can yeah. reduce it down and not have it completely off but if you put it on its weakest one it's going to be less like strain on your muscles to push it in yeah. um, I wish there was a way that you could recalibrate all of the um, the, the buttons essentially in Spider-Man to use the bumpers mm. as your kind of attack but because of the way it's set up too many things like rely on you using combinations of buttons and there's not a good way to recalibrate the controller so no. it's using less strenuous things i feel like I it's a particularly thick that... controller as well though pardon it's a particularly thick controller compared to like dualshock 4 or even 3 yeah, it's, it's got a bit of that. It's got a bit of heft. It's also like uh, I am one of those people that I actually prefer the layout of the Xbox controller. I like so, I like yeah. the functionality of the PlayStation Five controller a lot more because I do in the right points. I do like having those triggers. I particularly like it in Call of Duty because it really makes the weapons feel good. But I like the offset stick design, and there are no third party controllers for PlayStation that are actually any good. Basically, that have no. offset sticks. I will say. All this is good as well, but the thing that actually I did, what, maybe two or three years ago, my wrist was in Mm -hmm. a lot of pain whenever I play games, and you can get it for like 10 quid on Amazon. I just bought a wrist splint for my hand, and I slept with that for like two to three weeks, and that actually pretty much cured it for me. It did stop it hurting. Yeah, so, so, so I would recommend sleeping with a wrist splint for a couple of weeks if you if you can. Yeah, I definitely do that. The problem is is that you can't actually put them on when you play because it prevents you from actually holding <laughs> yeah. the thing. It's more so. when you sleep and that's where it does the work. Yeah, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they, yeah, they are I good. Recommend. I I own that and I own wrist ice packs and thumb split. <laughs> I've got all sorts of fucking things. You're fully decked out when you're playing. I'm falling apart, basically, unfortunately. <laughs> this um, is what happens in your 30s, Jesse. Look forward to it. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. Uh, I'm always uh, warmed up. Also, definitely, like, if uh, after you've had a, a play session, if they are feeling really bad, there are plenty of, like, good YouTube tutorials that give you kind of, like, like wrist and, and finger exercises that I know it all sounds like very much like what your Nam would do with arthritis, <laughs> but it is very helpful. Um, but, yeah, I yeah. am. I, my, my wrists are currently really sore, actually, because... I've been playing through the Half-Life games again, and so therefore I've been using mouse and keyboard, and that is not great for them. There we go. Hopefully some of that helps. Uh, iGen underscore UK feedback at iGen.com. If you need any more doctor's advice, don't come to us. Yeah, please please talk to an actual doctor. (laughs) Um, Good stuff. I don't know what we'll be talking about next week, but hopefully I'll feel better. That'll be a good start, wouldn't it? Um, Thank you for joining me, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what That's music okay. should we have? Should we have? Uh, mm, uh, I can't even think of any trombone. good tunes from Modern Warfare Three. <laughs> well, I don't know if we should have some of uh, the trombone from uh, Lord of the Rings. Why not? Just it makes the sense. Trombone. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick the most tromboney piece I can find. How about that? All right. See you later. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.
Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No. She was sent here anonymously. Mm-mm, not she. They, maybe? W- wait. I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often? Every night.